Hey, church, happy Easter. Good to see you guys. If I haven't met you yet, my name's Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is uh, my joy to be with you this weekend. Um, so there's this ancient Easter tradition greeting that um, goes back centuries, and we're going to engage in it. If For some of us, if we don't do it, it's not going to feel like Easter. So um, I'm going to greet you with the statement, he is risen, and then you're going to respond back, he is risen indeed. All right, you guys good with that with me? All right. He is risen. He is risen indeed. It's so good to hear that. Thank you for coming, being part of this. Um, for those of you who are worshiping with us online, we're really glad that you're part of our worship services as well. And since you guys who are here live, we've got a big church that watches this online. Can we just greet them together? Will you join me in greeting them? really good that we get to gather together for Easter, so thank you for being part of all of this. Um, I'm really excited for our time together this weekend. Easter's my favorite holiday, just me personally. It's my favorite holiday. Um, some of y'all love Christmas, and some of you love Thanksgiving, and some of you love your birthday. Um, for me, like I, I love Easter, and so I'm really glad that we get to do this and we get to be together. Um, as we celebrate Jesus' resurrection today, we're doing that. We're kicking off a new series here at Christ Community, and we're talking about, name this title, it's For the Win. And so if you are a person who needs a win somewhere in your life, like we're, we're talking about how that win could come to you through what Jesus has done on the cross and in his resurrection from the dead. And to help us do that today as we kick this off this weekend, I wanna give us four words. We're just gonna kind of work through four different words that help us grasp what the resurrection is all about and what difference that could make in your life and my life as we go from this place into whatever you're facing this Easter weekend and whatever you've got in front of you this week. So to launch that, I'd like to read the account of Jesus' resurrection from the Gospel of Mark. So you should know Mark, is uh, he was there for some of the things that were going on. He was younger than some of the other guys who first followed Jesus, but he was there and he saw some of these things. And he was tight with Peter, if you know that name, the Apostle Peter, one of Jesus' first followers. So what Mark didn't see and participate in himself, he got that information from Peter. So as we read this, what we're reading really is an account that was written maybe 20 to 30 years after Jesus rose again from the dead. So this is, this is eyewitness, this is a guy who knew and who knew the people that these things happened to. And so the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, he writes this, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away and as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. They were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him? But go tell his disciples and Peter. He's going ahead of you into Galilee and there, there you will see him just as he told you. And so we read one of these ancient accounts about Jesus' resurrection. And when I read that, like the first thing for me, and I think the first thing for us is, is wow. You, you just read a firsthand account of a person who actually, literally, really rose again from the dead. 
And so there's this kind of this moment, if you're a church person, if you come to Easter service year after year after year, like we do this year after year after year, we know like this is common to us, but if we just stop for a second, Jesus rose from the dead, and, the, and that is just this moment of, of wow for, for me and for us. And so the first thing is just that wow moment. And the second thing that really jumps off the page to me as we read through that little account there, when the angel is telling these ladies who were first at the empty tomb, said, hey, go and tell the guys to go meet Jesus just as he said. Just as he said. When Jesus predicted his he predicted his resurrection from the dead. And if we're thinking about four words this weekend, really that's the first word I'd like us to think about is the word predicted. Jesus actually told his followers that this was going to happen. Matthew, who wrote the gospel account of Matthew and who's one of Jesus' first followers, Matthew's gospel, he records three different times that Jesus predicted his resurrection. Three different times he looked at his followers and he said, hey, I'm going to Jerusalem. When I get there, they're gonna mistreat me. They're gonna crucify me. And on the third day, I'm gonna rise again. He, he told, Matthew records three times. He said that Mark in Mark's gospel where we're reading from here this little bit, Mark records four different times that Jesus said it. So we don't know how many times Jesus actually said this to them, but he said this to them on a number of occasions because these guys who wrote these firsthand accounts, like they're writing this about themselves. Luke's gospel um, Luke was getting a lot of his information from the Apostle Paul and some other resources that he searched and researched. Luke records three different predictions that Jesus, when he said, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be crucified and then I'm gonna rise again. And then John, John's gospel, John's a little different in how he approaches it. He records only one, it's, it's a little veiled, but it's direct enough, one direct prediction that Jesus made and then one that is really kind of cryptic, but you don't know, like you can't see it until it comes on to like we see what's happened. But what John does, John doesn't focus so much on Jesus' prediction of the resurrection. What John focuses on is the impact of Jesus' re resurrection on people like you and me. And so, so over and over again, though, Jesus looked at the people who followed him and said, hey, this is coming. I am going to be crucified, and it's not a big deal for somebody to predict that, like, hey, there's a day that I'm not going to be here, there's a day that I'm going to die. It's a big deal for him to make the statement, I'm going to rise again from the dead. And so Jesus predicted his own resurrection, which I think is really cool. And it wasn't just Jesus who predicted this. You can go a little farther back. The ancient prophets, the ancient prophets predicted that Jesus would rise again from the dead David, writing a psalm about a thousand years before Jesus ever came onto the scene, writes, he makes this prediction. He's writing and he's looking ahead and speaking about the future. Of, it's a prayer to God. You will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. So this, the body's going in the grave, but it's not staying there long enough to break down. There's resurrection that's happening. And this is a statement looking forward that's applied to Jesus and then about 750-ish years before Jesus, Isaiah, the prophet, was writing and he's talking about Jesus looking forward and he says in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 11, he says, after he, this servant of God, has suffered, he will see light of life and be satisfied. And so this resurrection of Jesus, this isn't something that just came, like didn't come just as a surprise and nobody had ever heard or thought about this before. It caught people off guard, but it wasn't unpredictable. Like this is predicted. This was predicted by the ancient prophets and it was predicted by Jesus. And the reason I wanted to spend a couple minutes pointing that out to us this weekend 
is because for some of us, for some of us, this resurrection of Jesus is really hard to believe. For some people, just the thought of somebody rising again from the dead, it's tough for them to get their mind around that. And if that's you, like, that's okay. That's okay. This is, this is so far out of the norm of what people, like what we experience. And so if you have a hard time wrapping your mind around these things, that's okay. But this is, there's good evidence for this. There's good evidence for this. And so if you're a person who struggles with this, I mean, like kudos to you to be in a church on Easter weekend. I don't know if somebody strong-armed you here, you've lost a bet or something, but like you're here and you're participating in this. And so kudos to you. But this is, this is something we're thinking about. And if you struggle to get your mind wrapped around it, like this is something to press into until you get this settled for yourself because there's a lot that flows out of this. If you need more than what I've been talking about up here, let me just make a quick book recommendation to you. There's a book by a guy named Lee Strobel. And a lot of people have found this book really helpful. A lot of people who try to, or struggle to wrap their mind around this to embrace this idea of the resurrection. It's called The Case for Easter. And Lee Strobel has written a really good book that this is a very believable thing. There is a faith element for sure. There's a faith element in this for sure, but this is, this is a very believable event that was not only predicted by the prophets and by Jesus himself, it was testified to by the people who knew Jesus, saw him after he rose again from the dead, in this case for Easter, lays all that out. And so if you need that, like, I recommend that book to you. And again, the reason we're pushing on this just a little bit is because the resurrection of Jesus, is, it is pivotal. It is, it is of greatest importance to the Christian faith. You, you cannot be a Christian, you, you cannot be a follower of Christ. I'll say it this way. You can't be a follower of Jesus and be, eh, or no, about the resurrection of Jesus. It's, it's, it's central. It is pivotal about, for Christian faith, it's pivotal. Everything rises and falls on the resurrection of Jesus and, and because our faith rests on the resurrection of Jesus, you can be a nice person, you can be a church person, you can be a great friend, you can be a great neighbor, you can be a lot of good things, but you cannot be a follower of Jesus and just be like, eh, about this resurrection thing. This is pivotal to our faith. And so that's our second word, it's pivotal. So the first word's predicted. The second word about the resurrection is that this is pivotal. This thing is, this is, this is critical to our faith. So if you're curious about this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in the Bible is, that is the, the chapter in the Bible about the resurrection of Jesus. And in this chapter, the Apostle Paul, who's writing these things, he, he runs through this, like he's addressing skeptics about the resurrection. It's a group of people who, who are thinking that there's no resurrection, who've been taught that there's no resurrection. He's, he's working through some things with them, and so he makes some really important statements and he says, you know, if Christ hasn't been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. If, if there's no resurrection from the dead, our faith is of no value to us. If Jesus didn't rise again from the dead, there's, there's no reason, there's no faith, there's no foundation, there's no basis for our faith. If Christ has not been raised, he says a little further, your faith is futile. It's it's not just useless, like it is futile, and you're still in your sins. So this gap that we all are aware of between us and God and how like, we don't measure up to his standard perfection, like we're stuck there. 
If there's no resurrection from the dead, if there's no resurrection of Jesus, then, then we're still stuck in our sins and not just us, but those who have fallen asleep in Christ, like our Christian people who have preceded us in death. We have this great hope that they've gone to be with Jesus in heaven, but if Jesus is still in the grave, those people are lost. Like there's, they're, they're wherever people go when they die if there's no resurrection from the dead. And so this is pivotal to our faith. And then he says at the end, he says, there, if, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we're of all people to be most pitied. There's this statement. I, I'm a church guy. I've been around church my whole life. There's a statement that's been running around. It's like, okay, so if, not, if these things aren't true, it's been a good life anyway. Uh-uh, right? No, if, if, there's, if Jesus didn't rise again from the dead and there's no future hope for people like you and me, Christian people like us, it's, it's not been a good life anyway. We should be, we're pathetic. If, if this is it, if, if we've missed on this resurrection, if Jesus didn't walk out of that grave, it's, this is a pivotal thing. And, and our faith, not just your faith as an individual person, but the things that we collectively believe as Christian people, they rise and fall on this idea of, of Jesus rising again from the dead. And so it's not just whether you believe it, it's whether it really happened. And if it did not happen, then, then we should cancel the rest of the services and all go do something else. And so having set all that up about what what it is if this is false, the Apostle Paul makes this statement it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. He says this, he says, but Christ has been raised from the dead. And, and so when, when I say that and we read it, we read it out of the Bible. But here's what I wanna remind us of. The Bible is actually a collection of ancient writings. 1 Corinthians is an ancient letter written to an ancient church. This was written about 20 years after Jesus rose again from the dead, maybe 25 years after Jesus rose again from the dead. And the Apostle Paul, and he's making this statement, Jesus has been raised from the dead. The reason he's saying it with so much confidence is because he saw him. Like Paul, the Apostle Paul was an eyewitness to the resurrected Jesus. And so he makes this statement with so much confidence that he has risen from the dead. And not only did Paul see him, he knew other people who did as well. Like this, Jesus did not rise from the dead in secret. Jesus rose from the dead in public and there were so many people who saw him risen from the dead. And so when these guys are writing these accounts of Jesus's life and when they're writing these letters and encouraging these kinds of things in those ancient people, and we get to read into that, if they'd been writing something that was false, if they'd been writing something that was false, there would have been enough people around who said, uh-uh, that is, that is not true. This stuff would be buried. This stuff would be buried in the dirt of history. But it is alive, and here we are 2,000 plus years later reading this because Jesus rose again from the dead, but Christ has indeed been risen from, Christ has indeed risen from the dead, and that leads us to the third word. So our third word is the word power. It's power. Good Friday, we celebrated Good Friday together. If we wrote one word over Good Friday, it has to be love. Right? It's the love of God who looks at us separated from him and sends his son. It's the love of Jesus who's willing to lay down his life for his people. And the word over Good Friday has to be love, but the first word over Easter is power. It is, it is about God's power, power to bring 
dead back to life. I mean, it's, this is this is power. This is divine power. This is not just the kind of power that you and I might have in our lives, the power of positive things. It's, it's not power like that. This is God's power brought to bear. And one who is really dead has been brought back to life to never die again. This miracle of Jesus' resurrection, this isn't just that Jesus performed resurrection miracles. He, he raised people from the dead, but those are not resurrection, they're resuscitation miracles. And those resuscitation miracles, all those people that Jesus raised back to dead, we have the stories of what happened. All those people he raised back to, to life from the dead, those people all died again. Jesus is the only one who's been, he's been raised to life, never to die again. And so God's power brought to bear and in thinking about God's power being brought to bear, one of my, one of my favorite little interactions Jesus has, it's recorded for us in Matthew's gospel. He's talking to a group of religious leaders and their particular sect of religious leaders. Like they didn't believe there was any kind of resurrection. There's no afterlife. And, and so, so Jesus, and this is before Jesus rose again from the dead, but he's talking to them and they're, they're baiting him about resurrection and, and Jesus just, and they're, they're insisting on their point. There's no resurrection from the dead. And Jesus just tells him, he says, you're in error. And the reason, the reason, I just think it's a funny line. You're in error. You're in error. And the reason you're in error is because you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. And to those religious leaders who they thought they knew what had been written down in the ancient scriptures, they thought they knew it, but they didn't know it because they had, they had missed all the predictions, they had missed the power, and they don't know in their own lives, they didn't know the power of God because resurrection is about the power of God. In Romans chapter one, the apostle Paul, he writes about resurrection a lot, because remember, this is, this is pivotal to our faith. He writes about these things. He talks about Jesus, how Jesus was declared to be the son of God in power. The, the declaration from heaven it happened at Jesus's baptism and then with his resurrection, it just stamped what God said about this is, this is my son and that he was risen from the dead. It's a declaration by God in power that Jesus, that Jesus rose again, that this is, this is the power of God being brought to bear in the lives of other people. And so, so we have these three words. We have it's predicted, it's pivotal, and then it's power, it's God's power. So this brings us to the fourth word. That's where really comes home. So those of you who, like, if you're newish around here or you've never heard me speak before, you're expecting a word that starts with P because those other three all did. If you've been around Christ's community for a while, you know I'm not that creative. So, so here's our fourth word. Our fourth word is actually, our fourth word is victory. Right? Our fourth word is victory. This, this resurrection of Jesus, he predicted it. It is pivotal. Everything about Christianity, not just you or me being a Christian, but everything about what we believe it rises and falls on whether or not Jesus actually rose from the dead and it is about God's power and where it comes to rest in your life and in my life is, is victory. In 1 Corinthians 15, again, as you move through that super important chapter in the Bible about the resurrection of Jesus, makes this statement, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. It seems in the world in which you and I live, it seems like death wins. It always wins. There may be, there may be something that pushes it off, like we, we get another few months or somebody we love gets a few more years, but, but our experience and our expectation is that death wins. 
And what Jesus' resurrection from the dead guarantees is that this last enemy, death, our, our, our greatest enemy, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And, and in that, this beautiful statement, death has been swallowed up in victory. Isn't that great? Death has been swallowed up in victory. If, if you've stood at the grave of a loved one, it feels like the grave swallows up life, right? It feels like the grave swallows up one who is living, but it's, the image is just totally reversed here. And death has been swallowed up in victory. And so we land on this, like Jesus rising from the dead is, it is the greatest victory ever in the history of all creation. Like this is, this is the victory of all victories. That Jesus entered death and he conquered death and walked out never to die again. This is, this is an amazing thing. And so what we find in Jesus is not only did he, like he won the victory over death, so that makes him the victor. Like that makes him the victor. And so, so thinking about that and thinking about what difference that makes to you and me. If we just stopped right here, if it just ended right here, the, the only difference I could see that Jesus' resurrection from the dead makes for people like you and me is, is wow, right? We, we stand in awe of someone who has actually risen from the dead and we revere him. And so there's, there's a difference there, but it's not a personal difference. It's like we, we see this one who's risen from the dead, but there's this amazing statement that comes next, that Jesus has won, like he is the victory. He is the victor and he has won the victory. And so in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, as we read through this, this last statement, this is the life changer for you and for me. Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we start with that statement of gratitude. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. The reason, the reason for gratitude is because he gives us the victory. I don't know if you write in your Bible or if it, how you do it. In my Bible, I actually crossed out the little T and the little V there in the victory. Um, mine says capital, like V victory, because this is the victory. A victory over death. When life wins over death, that is exactly the opposite of all of our experience. This is the victory. Thanks be to God, he gives us the victory. You and I don't have to live lives that are marked by death. We get to live lives that are marked by life. We get, to, we get to move forward knowing that for us, death has been swallowed up by life. Thanks be to God, he gives us the victory. And we gotta notice, we gotta notice, he gives it to us. He gives it to us. He gives us the victory. And, and, and for many of us, like this has got to be great news. This has got to be great news. If you've, if you've been living like it is on you to somehow win the victory or the, little, the victories in your life, like if you've been living like that's on you, how exhausting is that? Like how tired are you of that? Because you can't win. You can't win. We might, we might have a little bit of encouragement every once in a while. It feels like, oh man, I might but you don't win, like you can't win because we don't have what it takes. We don't have what it takes. And, and instead of Jesus having this victory and looking at people like you and me and saying, good luck, I got my victory. 
I hope you can get yours. What he does for us is our victor shares his victory with us. And so people like you and me, we get to participate in the victory that Jesus has won. Thanks be to God, he gives us, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So for you and for me, what it means, like all we, gotta, all we have to do to participate in this victory, you gotta stop trying. Stop trying so hard. Hey, stop trying to win this on your own. Stop trying, to be, stop trying to be your own victor. You have a victor. His name is Jesus. He rose again from the dead. He has the victory that you want, and he is more than willing to share his victory with you. He offers it to you, and all you have to do is receive it. And you're trusting, all you do is trust him. He's, he is the one who, he died on a cross. He died on a cross to pay the penalty for your sins, for my sins. The Bible's really clear. The penalty, the wages for our sin is death because people like us, because we are apathetic about God, because we walk away from him, sometimes we're hostile towards him. And the penalty for that, God in his holiness and his justice, the penalty for that is death. And Jesus entered into death on our behalf. He died so you and I don't have to. And then he walked out of the grave. Three days later, he walked out of the grave with victory, with life that he's willing to share with people like you and me. And so thanks be to God, he gives us the victory. And we're looking to him as our victor. He gives his victory with us. Thanks be to God, he shares his victory with us. And so for people like you and me, the greatest victory, greatest victory we get to participate in that we're celebrating together this weekend is life over death. Apart from Jesus, apart from his resurrection from the dead, apart from your willingness to receive what he's offering to you, we just get to go the way of all humankind. But Jesus steps in the middle of all that and he intervenes and he intervenes on our behalf and he gives to his people. To those who'll trust him, he gives us, we don't, have to, we don't have to live a life that's just headed to death. We get to live a life that's headed towards capital L, Jesus' kind of life. So thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. So I'm gonna ask our worship team to come back out here in just a moment. I wanna tell you, so we're starting a, we're starting a series this weekend. And today we're talking about how the win, the big win is life over death. But I wanted to share with you what we're looking ahead to over these next several weeks and invite you to participate in this. Church is just kind of an occasional thing for you if you're kind of looking or wondering what we're gonna be talking about, how, how God could speak into, because this today is about eternity and it's about eternal life. But the great thing about Jesus and the great thing about faith in him and the gifts that he gives to us is not just for eternity, it's about for today too. He came so we could have life and we could have it to its fullest extent. And so we're gonna be talking about things about how you could live with courage instead of the fear because of Jesus, not because somehow you've tapped into some internal courage but because of what he'll give to you. You don't have to live with fear in your life, you can live with courage. You don't have to live with anxiety and stress. You can have peace. He gives us peace, not like anyone or anything else. Peace Jesus gives to his people. You live with healing. He wants to speak healing over the hurting into your life. You could live with forgiveness instead of being a person who's being eaten up by unforgiveness and headed on the path towards bitterness. And, and that greatest one at the end, we're gonna wait till the end to talk about it. Others, being a person who's others focused instead of yourself, because when we're self-focused, we just our life gets narrower and narrower and it's nowhere good to go. And so, so we wanna offer you the opportunity today to, to participate in this great victory that Jesus wins and, and to explore that further in days ahead. It'd be awesome if you'd participate in that with all of us. So, I'd like to pray for us. Then when I say amen, our worship team's gonna lead us in the closing songs. Would you guys please bow your head and close your eyes with me?
So Heavenly Father, we're really grateful. And that, that, little, that little phrase there, thanks be to God. It just it feels like there should be some more words there. Thanks be to God because you give us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so for myself and for my friends, we're saying yes to that. We're saying yes to what you are offering us, Jesus, for those of us who are so tired of trying and trying and trying and never getting there. Thank you for, thank you for this gift. We're receiving it. And Jesus, we're really grateful that, that you are the victor, but you are a victor who shares his victory. And you let people like us participate in it. So again, we're saying, we're saying yes to this. We're saying yes to these things. And thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we pray these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen.